So um, here we have Noah that uh, is a type of Messiah, and the world is so bad that God says, I'm going to start over. Um, wickedness was at such a degree that it says that it, it grieved God, and he basically says, I'm going to start over. <clears throat> so would you say that the world right now is messed up? I mean, it's pretty messed up. Uh, we'll get into that later in this discussion. But even as bad as it is, we can still be a shining light for our Heavenly Father. Amen? Amen. We don't have to give up. As a matter of fact, uh, when it's darkest, that's when your light shines the brightest. And that's when you need a light. Amen? Um, <clears throat> so there's, a, there's three things here that, and okay, so when we study the Scriptures and we read the Scriptures, we're supposed to read it in what? We're supposed to read it in context. Reading it in context means that you remember who's talking to who, who wrote it, what were they dealing with and everything? So once again, just for clarity's sake, contextual sake. So who wrote this? Moses wrote it. This is after they've come out of Egypt. So the Torah hadn't been given yet. Just interesting to remember that. Okay? And here it says that Noah was a righteous man before God. And it says, and he was perfect in his generations. We get, we get, are we to live according to the Torah? I would say yes. At the same time, what is God really looking for? He's looking for the heart, right? It all, everything stems from the heart. We talked, we've talked about this before where the southern tribes of Judah came back out of Babylon, but God said, they only returned to me in pretense. And he even hated that. They had all the right trappings, sort of. They added a lot of stuff to it. And he goes, but they, they came back to me in pretense. But then there's this next statement that's really kind of mind-boggling. It says that Noah walked with God, walked with Elohim. I've got it there in your notes in the Scriptures version. That Noah walked with God. Um... That's a little difficult to wrap our brain around. We could go into all these other theories and stuff on what that really means. I'm just going to go with it. Noah walked with God. In other words, his lifestyle was in agreement with God. This is before he had the written, quote-unquote, Torah. But he was walking with God, and it pleased God enough where God said, I'm going to save this one and his family, and I'm going to start over with this one. So what God is looking for is for us to have a right heart and a desire to walk with him, right? I would say Noah was handicapped. We've got it written down, right? Noah was all by himself, The world was filled with wickedness, and it says, but Noah. We've got the benefit of fellowship. Anybody here ever get down and need the fellowship? 
You just needed somebody to come alongside, and you're just like, I'm tired. No, I'm mad. Right? Let's be honest. I'm ticked off. I shouldn't be. Blah, 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 blah. I need to talk to somebody. Just imagine Noah is in a situation that was worse than what we're seeing. Probably not by much, but worse than what we're, and I'm not really joking. Uh, But he didn't even have fellowship around him. And it says that he walked with God. Now, folks, that takes some stinking courage, amen? We've at least got each other, right? And we've got a Bible we can read if if we would just have the courage to read it and read it for what it says. Um, So it says that he walked with him. Let's, Let's go on. In verse 10 it says, And Noah brought forth three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, or some Bibles will say Japheth, Uh, And the earth was corrupt before Elohim, and the earth was filled with violence. And Elohim looked upon the earth and saw it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And Elohim said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And see, I am going to destroy them from the earth, Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with tar or pitch, butamen. It's tar. It's what made it waterproof. So you go, okay, so it says here, excuse me, that the earth was corrupt before God and it was filled with violence uses the term here, corrupt, again in verse 12. And then in verse 13, it says that the earth was filled with violence through them to the point to where God says, I'm going to destroy everybody. Now, here's what we need to try to wrap our brain around. Was it just simply that people were evil, mean, and nasty? Or was there even more going on than that? There was more than just that going on. And the only way to understand that is you have to read your Bible in in context, which means you have to back up. We don't have time to go there. We went there a little bit last week. But if you go back to verses 3 through 5 in Genesis chapter 6 is where it talks about the women uh, were beautiful, the sons of God saw them and took them for themselves and they gave birth to the Nephilim, which is where the whole Titan, Greek mythology, and all that stuff came from. People think people dream that up on their own. No, it really happened. Uh, And we're going to see where this whole mindset um, doesn't go away. As a matter of fact, it talks about the Nephilim that were on the earth in that day and after. They were on the earth during that day, during the time of Noah, and after. So we don't know how, but somehow this rebellion, this act happened again to some degree. We only have two options. Either some of the Nephilim survived or they did it again. Uh, I'm going to assume they just simply did it again because the Bible says it destroyed everybody. I know that might freak somebody out and they say, well, you know, your Bible, that's, that's just weird. Surely that's not true. I'm sitting there going, I know I've said this before, but when people say that kind of stuff to me, I kind of laugh and go, really? 
we say that we follow Yeshua who came and walked on water, turned water into wine, uh, healed dead people, uh, crucified, buried in the ground for three days, rose on Sunday, ascended into heaven, had holes in his side and his hands and his feet, and he still ate bread and drank with them, and it didn't leak out, I'm assuming. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm saying he said, I'm not a ghost. Touch my side, and he's there, and then gone. They saw him going to heaven, and he's going to come back, and we have a Bible that talks about a talking donkey, and we got a Bible that talks about the water splitting and the rock splitting and angels showing up and fire coming down out of heaven, and we're going to go, and that's weird. Uh, No, it's not weird because I believe that there's an unseen realm filled with angelic beings. And they can and do and will interact with us. Um, And I believe that God sent His Son to interact with us to bring about redemption. Part of the love story. So the only way to understand this is because now if you understand that that really did happen and it's not just Greek mythology and it's not too weird to be in your Bible then when you understand that the DNA of humanity had been tampered with and that these beings were teaching humans things we weren't supposed to know. And that's why it says here, um, well, you have to keep reading, I'm sorry, but it says that it's all corrupt. It's filled with violence through them. And he goes, so I'm, you know, I'm going to destroy him. So let's just continue reading before I get ahead of myself. So in verse 17, it says, And see, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth, which is also interesting. There's a lot of times God will allow other angelic beings to do things. Here he's saying, no, I'm going to do this myself. This is important because you're going to see something really cool here in just a second. So God himself, Yahovah himself, is the one that's going to do this. He's not going to let some other angel of death or whatever like we see at other times. uh, Or he's sending some angel to do this or do that. He goes, I'm going to personally be involved and do this. So he said, see, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy all flesh, which in which the the breath of life from under heaven is under heavens. Uh, All that is on the earth is to die. Flip the page. And I shall establish my covenant with you. And you shall come into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives. And of all the living creatures of all the flesh, two of each you are to bring into the ark and to keep them alive with you, male and female, of the birds after their kind and of the cattle after their kind and of all the creeping creatures of the earth after their kind. Two of each are to come to you to keep them alive. As for you, take uh, of all... uh, food that is eaten and gather it to yourself and it shall be food for you and for them. And Noah did all according to Elohim had commanded him, so he did. So what we're seeing here is that God becomes so angry and he says that this is what I'm going to do, but I'm going to save you. I'm also going to save the other living creatures. We have a tendency to forget that a little bit because he says, I'm going to wipe out everything, everybody, all living, all living creatures, and, and everything's going to die. But that means everything that's going to die except those that are in the ark. So it's, he does save, watch this, this remnant. And the reason he's doing this, he says, because 
they've become so corrupt that the whole world has become evil. And we're going to see this come up again when we talk about the Babel event at the Tower of Babel here in just a moment. So the other thing that's interesting is because he says, they're going to come to you, two of each. Um, And then he says, and you're to take everything that is food and you're to gather it and it will be food for you and food for them. You might not have realized this, but before the flood, we were supposed to be vegetarians. Um, man, we don't have time. Uh, yeah. Um, listen, I, I just, I'm, I will say this, and this is kind of a heads up for staff. But I just started watching this video series. I went ahead and bought it on this thing about cancer. And I really want all of us to watch this uh, because we have really been lied to, which I know nobody, everybody in here is shocked to hear that, and that uh, we're really considered not much more than cattle to the elite uh, for, for them to get money and resources out of us, and they even manipulate our health to continue to get money out of us. So they tax us when we're born, they tax us when we die, they tax us when we give what we have to our kids. They just, all they want to do is use us as cattle to get money out of us. Um, so uh, we, were, we were originally meant to eat uh, a vegetarian diet, <clears throat> which might be surprising, but that's what's going to be in heaven again. So we're not going to be eating animals uh, in heaven. Let's, let's go on. Uh, that's just a little side note. So sometime in the near future, I'd like for us to have I don't know, a weekly or just a marathon uh, deal and, and watch these videos and, and just have a discussion about it. Um, so let, let's go on. So then it says, um, this is fascinating. In chapter 7, it says, uh, in, in verse 1, it says, And Yahweh said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. He lived it out. And it says, Of all the clean beasts, take with you seven pairs, a male and a female, and all the beasts that are unclean, two, a male and a female. Anybody ever know that? You see, they weren't all two by two. The clean animals, there were seven pairs. Seven pairs. The perfect number, seven. The number for completion, and there were seven pairs, but of the unclean animals, you only need two each. And why is that? Well, because they're not going to be offered for sacrifice, and when they get out, they're not going to be eating the unclean ones, and all the unclean ones, watch this, that might come as a surprise, but they're all ecological filters. That's why God made them. Um, So, Continue on in verse 4. This is fascinating. Watch this. It says, For after seven more days I am sending rain on the earth, forty days and forty nights, and shall wipe from the face of the earth all that stand that I created. And Noah did all, did according to all that Yahovah commanded him. He says, Hey, Noah, guess what? You got seven days. In other words, Noah wasn't like in the movies out there working, waiting to feel the first drop of rain. 
God goes, I need you to get in a boat. You're going to bring the animals in. They're going to come, and then you're going to need to make sure you have two of each of the unclean and seven pairs of the clean in here uh, because in seven days is when the rain hits. This is when it's going to hit. This is when I'm going to unleash the waters below and the waters above, and it's, it's going to be uh, unbelievable. I just thought that was pretty cool that God said, I'm going to tell you beforehand. <laughs> in other words, once again, you're going to see some things here. It's, I think it's cool. Once again, like right here, he's saying, I'm going to tell you the end of the matter, Noah, from the beginning. This isn't anything new. I'm going to do the same thing here that I've been doing all along. I'm going to tell you the end of the matter from the beginning. I'm going to tell you, Noah, in seven days, this is what's going to happen. And one day is like what to the Lord? A thousand years. And this is about year what? Six thousand? Hmm. Just saying. Uh, <clears throat> so then you go to verse 10. It says, and it, came to, and it came to be after seven days that the water of the flood were on the earth. Well, imagine that. God goes, listen, it's going to happen in seven days. And he goes, and guess what? In seven days, that's when it came. Isn't that amazing? God always does exactly what he says he's going to do. Amen? And he always does it exactly the way he says he's going to do it. Or else he's not God, right? <laughs> um, verse 11, it says, In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, and it says, On that day all the fountains of the deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. So he's real specific about exactly which day this started. You, get, you go to chapter 8, because <clears throat> it continues to talk about that stuff. Then you get into chapter 8 with verse 4, and it says, And in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, the ark rested on the mountains of Ararat. So <clears throat> he's real specific about when this started, when it happened, and how long they were in the ark. How long do you think they were in the ark? They were in the ark. By the time they get out, a little over one year. A year. Animals aren't eating each other. They're not eating all the animals. They're eating the vegetative stock they put in the boat for a year. I watch my sheep eating some of the hay I put out there, and I'm like, man, God, I'm glad I'm not eating hay. And yet, that's kind of what Moses, I mean, what Noah and them were doing. They're in there for a year, eating dried fruits, nuts, vegetables, I don't know, hay, I don't know, right? Um, because it's not telling us that they're actually eating. He didn't, doesn't tell them they can eat the animals until they come out. I don't think the animals were in there for them to eat. <laughs> Anyways. So then watch this. This is really cool. Verse 1 of chapter 9. It says, And Elohim blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Bear fruit and increase and fill the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you is on every beast of the earth, on every bird of the heavens, on all that creeps on the ground, 
and on all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they have been giving. Every moving creature that lives is food for you. I have given you all as I gave the green plants. <clears throat> but do not eat flesh with its life, its blood. Turn the page with me. <clears throat> but only your blood for your lives I require. From the hand of every beast I required, and from the hand of every man, from the hand of every man's brother, I require the life of man. He's basically saying, don't kill, don't murder. Whoever sheds man blood, man's blood, by man his blood is shed. Why? Now he's going to tell us why. You might want to circle this. Whoever sheds man, man's blood, by man's blood is shed. For in the image of Elohim, he made man. Folks, I've said it before. You might see me say it on Facebook. I'm starting to get even more riled up about this. Folks, this is why abortion is of the devil. It's a lie out of the pit of hell. And it is why all the swamp rats are pitching a fit. You know what happens when you drain a swamp? All the bottom-feeding fish have a frenzy. Yeah. And that's what you're seeing happening on a global scale. Because the globalists need to keep the herd down. Don't let them tell you it's for women's health. It's anything but. And it is demonic. And it makes me angry. And the reason it makes me angry is because it's an attack on the very image of our God. And it's high time the church got ticked off. Uh, it's ridiculous. It's a stain. It's an abomination against our God. And uh, we have some members in our fellowship that are in Israel. They sent me a text and said, I don't know if you know this or not, but every single female Israeli soldier has to pay for two abortions. The Israeli government pays for abortions just as much as we do. Um, <clears throat> the world is messed up. And God will cause us to give an account. And all that blood that has been shed... What did he just say? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring everybody to account for the blood that's been shed. And so far, since Roe versus Wade, we have killed 25% of the total global population. 25%. <clears throat> and you wonder why the book of Revelation is so bloody. <clears throat> now watch this, though. So in, uh, in verse 7, he says, As for you, bear fruit and increase. Bring forth teemingly in the earth and increase in it. And Elohim spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I, see, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you and with every living creature that is with you, of the birds and of the cattle and of every beast of the earth with you, of all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth, and I shall establish my covenant with you, and never again is all flesh cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again is there a flood to destroy the earth. And Elohim, this is the sign of the covenant, 
which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all generations to come, I shall set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. I want you to see something fascinating. This is the re-story of the creation story. What's going to happen? Pretty much the earth is going to disappear with the waters. Then he's going to divide the waters. Then it's going to become dry. And then he's going to bring his people and all of the creatures, everything out of the ark. They're going to And then he says, and I want you to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And then he even tells Noah, this is what I want you and for your sons to do. You're to increase and fill the earth. And as a matter of fact, you're going to have dominion over all the animals. I'm even going to put the fear of you in them and you're to rule over the earth. It is a restory of this creation story. Why? Because he is starting all over. I thought that was absolutely fascinating. Um, And I want you to do something with me. Turn back to the previous page. Because I want to do a little project with you. I want to look at some of these commands that he's given us, and maybe we can number them. So in verse 1, they're told to bear fruit and increase and fill the earth. I put that down as one. So while we go through here, maybe if you see one that I'm not seeing, we can write it down and number it or something. In verse 2, he talks about how he's going to put the dread of them on the beast and into their hands and and that every creature has been uh, given for them. And so I put that as two, Um, that, you know, this, you could subdivide that if you want, but I just kind of put that in as one that that uh, the fear of mankind uh, has been put in the animals and that the animals have now been given even as food uh, to Noah and his sons. And then in verse 4, I put that one as number 3 because it says, do not eat flesh with its life in it, meaning don't eat flesh with the uh, the blood in it. Okay? And you turn the page and verse 5, and it says, uh, this is where it's talking about If you spill blood, I'm going to require blood. So that for me would be like number four, unless I'm not counting correctly. Um, In verse seven is where he says to bear fruit and increase. That's where I've got that one is number five. And then the rest of this is him talking about how he's going to establish his covenant with them. Anybody see another one maybe in there? I'm just trying to make sure I'm not missing something. So we got what, five? Anybody see maybe six? No? Huh? Yeah, I don't know if that's a command. I'm looking for, uh, you know, commands, laws, if you will. Um. The rest of it is how he's talking about that he's making this covenant and he's going to set his rainbow. 
uh, in the cloud. Did you know that that word rainbow is kind of a misnomer? Um, it really talks about his bow. We've called it a rainbow because it's there from the rain, okay? And, you know, the sector LGBTQR wannabe, don't know, fluid people, you know, stole the rainbow. They think they stole it. Um, but uh, it actually is talking about his bow. We see it as something real soft or whatever, but according to God, it's talking about his strength. So um, that's just a little tidbit there. Okay, so I've got five. You got five? That's going to come up here in just a second. Uh, let's just continue to read. So we got, we got a total of five. I just wanted to make sure I had five correct when we're reading that. Anybody got more? Six? Can I get a six? Can anybody, get, get, can anybody give me a seven? No, no, no seven? We got five. Okay, so we're going to stick with five. I'm just making sure because, huh? One in five is the same? So we really got four? Oh, wow. I did miscount. Okay. So we've only got four. We got four laws in here that he gave Noah when he came out, when he's, he's coming out of the boat, right? Hmm. All right. So verse or chapter 10 is going to talk about the generations of Noah and his sons afterwards. This is where you're starting to get the, what's called the table of nations in the scriptures, and they come up with a total of 70. These are the sons of, these are the sons of, these are the generations of, the generations of, and they've tabled all that out, and they've come up with about 70 different nations. After that is when you get to the Tower of Babel event, and I really should have put this note in between, so bear with me for a second. I want you to jump down the bottom of the page. Folks, I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, anybody here ever hear of the Noahide laws? Anybody ever hear of that? Um, the stuff I read sometimes makes my brain dizzy. Um, because when I was first hearing about the Noahide laws years and years ago, I said, the Noahide laws, that means the law that God gave to Noah, I guess, when he came out of the ark, and the rabbis teach. And did you know that this is in uh, U.S. law about the Noahide laws? Did you, I, you might not know this, but our nation was founded on those Noahide laws. Yeah, imagine that. Wrong. But anyways, um, yeah, it's in our laws. Uh, back in the Bush administration, underneath the uh, Education Day law, go Google it. I didn't want to waste time writing it all up for you. Uh, but that our, our nation was pretty much founded on the Noahide laws. Anybody know where the Noahide laws came from? You would think laws that God gave to Noah. So how many did we read? Four. We read four. You know why we read four? It's because the Noahide laws aren't in your Bible. You know where they are? They're found in the Talmud, and they extrapolate also from the book of Jubilees. 
But then everybody is teaching this garbage, and watch this. <clears throat> and what you're, if, I would tell you, don't waste your time studying it. Don't even Google it unless you just want the beating. But if you do, what you're going to find out, and it's taught prevalently, and it's also taught prevalently even among people that believe like us, sort of. Because what they teach is, if you're Gentile, all you really need to keep are the Noahide laws. You only keep the Torah if you're Jewish, and it gets worse. And there's one law. Now, I wrote down for you, down at the bottom of the page, the seven. There's seven. Did you know that there's seven Noahide laws? We no longer have the Ten Commandments. Don't worry about it. Doesn't apply to us. We got seven Noahide laws. So that's all we need to worry about. It gets worse. So here it says, here's the seven Noahide laws. It says, don't murder. We found that one in there, right? You remember? We, you know, if anybody sheds blood, man's blood, I'm going to require. Don't steal. That's in there somewhere. I don't know where. It must be in the Talmud, or maybe it's in the book of Jubilees. And by the way, in the Talmud, they've actually deducted that there's actually about 100 Noahide laws of the 613 laws you find in the Torah, but hey, there's seven that everybody kind of agrees on. Oh, yeah. Don't steal. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll go with that one, right? Uh, don't worship false gods. Did we read that in there? Okay, well, I don't, maybe, maybe I missed something. Uh, do not be sexually immoral. <clears throat> Y'all remember we, we listed that one too, right? Y'all sense my sarcasm? Is that coming across loud and clear? Maybe that's why we don't have the SIM card in there and it's not getting recorded tonight because <laughs> of my sarcasm. Um, okay, so it says, do not eat a limb removed from a live animal. Kid you not. They actually go so far as to say, and don't eat it on the animal while the animal's alive. Not, yeah, which you go, okay. <laughs> so then it's basically saying you don't cut a limb. You say, well, I'm not going to kill the animal. I'll just cut its leg off, and I'll eat the leg, but I'm not going to kill the animal. That's kind of what they're saying, but the, <laughs> that's the uh, sanitized version. Okay, do not curse God. Yeah, we saw that one in there, right? That's not in there either, right? We didn't read that in there. Uh, and set up courts and bring offenders to justice. Um, there's a little stretch, but I, we might be able to get there that if someone kills somebody, you know, God's going to require it. And we might stretch that one. So what, how many did we come up with? Two? Maybe don't murder and courts. Hmm. Watch this. You know what's 
strikingly missing from these Noahide laws that Gentiles are only required to keep? What we're doing today, keeping the Sabbath. Because watch this, <clears throat> the, the rabbinical Jews say that the Sabbath is only for the Jews, and according to the Talmud, when Gentiles keep the Sabbath, we are deserving capital punishment. Um, so, <clears throat> when probably 10, no, 15 years ago, maybe 20 15, 20 years ago, I went to a respected Messianic rabbi in Dallas. I'm not going to name him. Because I was feeling that the Torah applied to everybody. And I wanted somebody to help me. I even took our whole fellowship to that fellowship, I think twice for two of their services. I went later brokenhearted to talk to him. <clears throat> I need somebody to help me understand this about keeping Torah and <clears throat> keeping, uh, you know, the law. And that's what I got. Well, you're not Jewish. You can if you want, but it doesn't apply to you. And literally just sucked all the wind out of me. I left his office almost weeping in crocodile tears. Because I thought, okay, whenever I bring this up to my Christian pastor friends, they think I'm on drugs and that I need a demon, you know, exercised out of me and I'm going to deny my faith, and I'm going to burn in hell. And so then I go and talk to somebody that's a messianic rabbi, believer in Yeshua, to help me, and this is the garbage I got. And so I go home, and I start, I'm going, okay, Noahide laws. And I went, what the heck are Noahide laws? I go home, and I start trying to find Noah. So what do you do when you try to find the Noahide laws? You go to the story of Noah, and you're sitting there reading, and I'm going, I got nothing, and everybody's telling me there are these seven laws out there. And this is, this is hard fact. I know you guys find this hard to believe, but these Noahide laws are real. Oh, yeah. It's in our legislative law in the United States. It is fact. Where's the Kool-Aid? It just makes me crazy. And I keep seeing this stuff, and I keep reading it, and I'm going, who are these people feeding us this garbage? Some of it they just simply dreamed up. Why? Because they think you and I are identity thieves. So, yeah, I'm still upset about it. <laughs> um. 
I wanted to bring that out because in case, and I saw only a few hands go up, some of you, is, is tonight the first time you've heard about the Noahide laws? Let it be the last time you talk about it. No, I'm serious. And any bozo that brings it up and says, that's only for you, I wouldn't try to argue with them. I'd just go, well, that's interesting. I'd rather read my Bible and just leave it at that. And definitely don't Google it and go try to track it down because it'll just make your brain tired. It's, it's so ridiculous. Um, God said, don't add to or take away from my word. Period. That goes for Christians and Jews alike. It also goes, watch this, for Messianics, for Torah-observant people. Man, we're a weird group because we're this Sabbath-keeping, Torah-observant Baptist. Did you know we're Baptists? Some of you might not have known that. I'm born and bred Baptist. We're still part of the North American Baptist Conference. Hallelujah. I had, a, had to have a meeting with them to make sure they wouldn't kick us out. I did. I had two. <laughs> that was interesting. Uh, that was crazy. Anyways, so yeah, we're still Baptist. I still hold to my Baptist faith. Yeshua is the Son of God. Amen? Amen? He came here to die on the cross for our sins. He did that. He rose again on the third day, and he was in the ground three days. Imagine that. He didn't die on Friday. Whoa, that'll give you some mind-boggling experience. He didn't die on Friday. He died on Wednesday, you know. He buried on Thursday, rose on Sunday. Anyhow, all that other stuff. Uh, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's going to come back and get us. Amen? I haven't denied my Baptist upbringing. It's just that I've gone, I'm going to stop looking at the Bible through those dumb filters and read it for what it simply says instead of somebody telling me they're garbage. I'm having a meeting. Y'all pray for me. I'm having a meeting. Maybe this is really good. This isn't recorded. I'm having a meeting on Tuesday with a fellow minister. It's not either. Is it really? Oh, great. I'm having a meeting. It showed up. Oh, great. He can edit. Anyhow, I'm having a meeting. <laughs> I didn't think it was. I'm having a meeting on Tuesday with another fellow minister, uh, and he kind of wants to get my opinions, and he's still in school and plans on being a teacher. I'm like, okay, buckle up, buttercup, because here we go. Um, <clears throat> all right, let's continue on. The Bible's cool. So we get to chapter 11. Chapter 10 is all the generations. Chapter 11, it says, And all the earth had one language and one speech, and it came to be as they set out from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said to each other, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. <clears throat> and they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens, and make a name for ourselves. Important. Lest we be scattered over the face of the earth. Imagine that. They said, let's get back to God. Let's do some reverse engineering. That's what they're saying. If you wanted to know what was really going on, don't think that God came down here and said, you know what, they're getting too successful. I need to slow them down. Right? What happened in Genesis 6? The, the sons of God came, birthed the Nephilim, and then taught us things we weren't supposed to know. 
Now, later, evidently it's happened again, but this time it's reversed. Now let's build a heaven back, a, a tower back up to heaven whose top is in the heavens and let's make a name for ourselves lest something happen and we get scattered all over the face of the earth. It's like they already know what's coming. But they're trying to get back to God. They're trying to do back with the angelic beings what they did originally with them. That's what's going on. If you ever wondered why Sodom and Gomorrah burned the way they did, it's because they built these places like this with tar for mortar. So when the fire came down from heaven, it consumed everything, turned it to ash immediately. By the way, it's still there. You can find it. Verse 5, Then Yahovah came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And Yahweh said, look, they are one people. They all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. And now they are not going to be withheld from doing whatever they plan to do. He knew what they were planning on doing and knew that they had some knowledge and that what they were about to do was going to be bad. So in verse 7, he says, Come, let us go there and confuse their language so that they do not understand one another's speech. And Yahovah scattered them from there over the face of the earth, and they left off building the city. This is why its name was called Babel, because Yahovah confused the languages, <clears throat> the language of all the earth, and from there, Yahovah scattered them over the face of all the earth. What was it that they said? Let's get this done and make a name for ourselves lest we get scattered over the face of the earth. God stops it, confuses their language, and keeps them from doing what they wanted to do and then scatters them over the face of the earth. Does that remind you of the book of Revelation? And that you get exactly what you ask for? And the flip side of that is that God gives us a name. They were trying to make a name for themselves. Here you see where God, in in the book of Revelation, talks about God gives us a stone with a name on it. He gives us a new name. All right, turn the page with me. So that's the story of Babel. And then that is referred to in Deuteronomy 32. This event in Babel is referred to in Deuteronomy 32, which is in my book. Uh, And when we went to Sukkot, we we talked about that and we studied this. This is what he was talking about in Deuteronomy 32, where he confused the languages of the people and he separated them into these nations according to the number of the sons of God. So these other beings became rulers over the nations. That's where this portion stops. But I don't want you to, I now want us to look at this, the rest of in the Bible where it talks about Noah and how this relates to us even in our day. Uh, I've got two verses in here that I didn't cover a while ago when we talked about the Noahide laws. Evidently, these people don't understand Exodus 12, 49 and Numbers 15, 15. Folks, even when I was taking my Hebrew class, 
with a Hebrew teacher, Orthodox Hebrew teacher in Jerusalem. He didn't know how to deal with me because I said, look, I don't know if you know this or not, but like it or not, you have to love me and treat me as a native born. And he just went, I was like, it's, it's in your Torah, go read it. It says that you have to treat me like a native born and I'm not an identity thief. And you know how to deal with it. I said, well, go read it. Stop telling me what the rabbis say. Read your Bible. Anyhow, these people that believe in this Noahide laws, evidently, once again, like many others, picking and choose, they pick and choose what passages they want to read instead of reading all of it. And right here it says there's one law for all, for the native born and the sojourner that's connected with you. And even Paul says we've been what? Grafted into Israel and that God is not through with the Jew. He's not doing two different things. So let's go to Isaiah 54. <clears throat> this is God talking to His people, and it's a prophecy of Him bringing them back. This is really cool. <clears throat> he goes, Sing, O barren one, you who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the deserted one are more than the children of the married woman. Oh my gosh, did you hear that? And this is declared by Yahovah Himself. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out their cart, the curtains for, of, your, of your dwelling. Spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. I'm sorry, but uh, knowing what I know now, God gave me this verse as a promise. when I was in my 20s. Nearly 40 years ago. And I had no idea. Folks, our God is incredible. He loves you so much. Verse 3. For you shall break forth to the right and to the left, and your seed inherit the nations and make the deserted cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you shall not be put to shame nor hurt. You shall not be humiliated. For the shame of your youth you shall forget. And not the, remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore, for your maker is your husband. Yahovah of hosts is his name, and the set-apart one of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the Elohim of all the earth. Look at this. For Yahovah has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth when you were refused, declares your Elohim. For a little while I have forsaken you, but with great compassion I shall gather you. In an overflow of wrath, I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I shall have compassion on you, said Yahovah, your Redeemer. For this is the waters of Noah to me. Oh, my goodness. In that I have sworn that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth, so have I sworn not to be wroth with you, nor to rebuke you. Can I get an amen, somebody? 
For though the mountains be removed and the hills be shaken. What does that sound like? Noah on the ark. My kindness is not removed from you. His kindness was the boat. Nor is my covenant of peace shaken, said Yahovah, who has compassion on you. O you afflicted one, tossed with the storm and not comforted. He was on the boat for a year. Tossed to and fro. They had never seen anything like this. If you're tossed and you think you're not comforted, see, I am setting your stones in Adamini and shall lay your foundations with sapphires and shall make your battlements of rubies, your gates of crystal, and your walls of precious stones. And all your children taught by Yahovah. Oh my goodness. And the peace of your children, great. Isn't that what every parent wants? It's for their children to be able to live in peace and security and to be known that your children themselves will be taught by Yahovah himself. Oh my goodness. Isn't that what it says will happen in the end of days? And in righteousness you shall be established. What does that sound like? Noah, <clears throat> far from oppression, for you shall not fear and far from ruin, for it does not come near to you. See, they shall indeed assemble, but not because of me. Whoever shall assemble against you falls for your sake. When people do assemble against you, he goes, I'm not doing this. But they're going to fall, and they're not even going to fall just for me. They're going to fall for your sake. Why? Because God has his eye on us. That's cool. He says, see, I myself have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the waster to destroy. This is where you see this verse we see all the time. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. How many times do you hear people claiming that? <clears throat> no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall prove wrong. He's talking about when he brings us all back and we're not even going to remember the shame of our youth because watch this. He's talking about those 10 tribes that were divorced and that God hid his face from them. And that's why Jesus said, I only came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, those 10 northern tribes. And he died on the cross to do away with that, death, that uh, divorce decree so that we could get remarried to him. And he says, and you're going to forget your shame. Amen. And that's who we are. Whether we're actual part of the 10 tribes or that we're Gentile and grafted in, it doesn't matter. It's the same. Mm. This is the inheritance of the servants of Yehovah and their righteousness from me, declares Yehovah himself. Isn't that cool? <clears throat> so it continues because when you get into Matthew 24, that's the famous passage from Yeshua about the end of days, right? Matthew 24. Look at what it says. But concerning the day or the hour, no one knows, not in the angels of heaven, nor the Son, only the Father knows, right? 
For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Hmm. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. Are you paying attention? Pay close attention here. So it says when Jesus comes back, it's going to be just like it was during the days of Noah. So watch this. During the days of Noah, we have a tendency to think, uh, anybody here see the dumb movie Noah? I, I finally broke down. It came on free, and I said, I'm going to go ahead and watch it to see what everybody was belly aching about. And they got the stone giants helping them build the ark and all kinds of weird. It's just weird, you know, dumb stuff. And so you have this picture because it talks about mankind being so corrupt and evil, right, which we talked about that. The evil was what they were planning more than they were just killing everybody. Like it was barbaric. It wasn't so much barbaric, bloody and gory and and that kind of thing, like what was in the movie. The evil was that they were trying to backwards uh, engineer a way to get back to God and get outside of God's realm and become God. Because we had learned things we weren't supposed to learn. (coughs) Right here is Yeshua God. Can he be wrong? Maybe confused. Maybe he's talking sarcastically like me. He doesn't do that, right? So what does he say was going on during the times of Noah? Well, they were eating and drinking and buying and marrying and giving in marriage. That's what was going on. Does that sound like it was extremely barbaric? No. And as a matter of fact, it says they were what? Unaware. They didn't even realize how evil they were. They thought it was all normal. Isn't this what you do? Sounds like today. Hmm. And they were unaware until the flood came and then swept them all away. Now then, when we read our Bibles in context, we're supposed to what? Keep reading, right? It's the only way to read it in context. You have to keep reading. So now just simply keep reading. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So it's going to be the same as it was with Noah when Noah got in the boat and everybody else was swept away that thought what they were doing was normal when it was actually evil. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one taken and one left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming... He would have stayed awake and would have not let his house be broken into. What does that sound like? It sounds like Noah being told, you got seven days. On top of that, about a year prior, start building the boat. Once the boat was finished, he goes, you got seven days, get in the boat. Verse 44, therefore you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? 
whom his master has set over his household to give him their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, then the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and in an hour he does not know and will cut him into pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now then, who here wants to be swept away in this story? Right? Who were the ones swept away or caught away? The ones that were outside the boat. This is where your pre-trib fibbers, your pre-trib fibbers, um, they'll use this verse and pull it out of context and say, you see, this is talking about the rapture and you want to be caught up and taken away. This is the passage that I used to teach this, I know. This is what I was taught. I know how to do this. So this is the passage that's used. See, it's talking about the, the rapture, and you don't want to be the one that's left behind. After all, that's going to make good books and movies. So you don't want to be the one left behind. You want to be the one that's swept away, caught away. Right here, Yeshua, he's not, we already decided he's not talking sarcastically. He's God. He's not wrong. He's not misleading us, right? And he said it's going to be just like it was during the days of Noah. Those that know their God are going to know what's going on. They're going to be prepared, and they're going to know how to ride out this storm. He says, but those that are asleep and are doing the wrong things, those are the ones that are going to be caught up in an hour that they do not know. In the same way that the people during Noah's time, they didn't know what was going on. They were totally unaware. That's even mind-boggling. He's making a boat, a big boat, and it's not in an ocean. And they were, it says they were unaware. Folks, it's almost like we're building this boat and people are unaware. We're trying to tell them, this is what Jesus said. And they look at you like, like a deer staring at the headlights and going, uh, but this is what we do. And you go, well, Jesus didn't do away with the law, but this is what we do. Well, but God said, that, but this is what we do. But God said, what my pastor says. Well, but God said in his word, but this is, but this is what, does it make sense? <clears throat> well, I don't want to be part of the ones that are swept away, right? I want to be one of those that are traveling with my God. Interesting when you start reading the Bible for just what it says and get those dumb filters off, amen? Then look what it says, <clears throat> just so that we can understand. Do you think we're living in the end times? Oh, I do. I think, matter of fact, we're very, very close. Look at what Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 18. Because even Messiah once suffered for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God or to Elohim, having been put to death indeed in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which also he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison who were disobedient at one time, 
when the patience of Elohim, or the patience of God, waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight beings, were being saved through water. Turn the page. Which figure now saves us, immersion or baptism, not a putting away of filth from the, bo- from the flesh or from the body, but the answer of a good conscience towards Elohim through the resurrection of Yeshua, our Messiah. <clears throat> so right here he's saying, look, this is what's happening and this is what Yeshua did when he came and provided salvation for us. He literally went and preached to some spirits that are in prison And when did they get put in prison? During the days of Noah. It's what it says, right? I mean, I'm not giving you any kind of weird translation, just reading it. These were disobedient at one time when the patience of God waited during the days of Noah. That's when they were being disobedient and they were... while the ark was being prepared. <clears throat> they, were, they were put in prison. He proclaimed these to these spirits in prison, and that's when they were being disobedient. Folks, who's he talking about here? He's talking about people that I believe were not just fully human. Because it says that this Nephilim problem happened during that time and after, and right here he's saying... This was during the time of Noah. And if you ever wondered where demons come from, they're the disembodied spirits of hybrid beings that aren't truly human and aren't truly angelic. What do you do with them? You have to wait until the final judgment comes. So until that time, these were put in a prison. Interesting, huh? So then you go to Hebrews 11. We're almost done. And this is where it talks about Noah in the book of Hebrews. It says, by belief or by faith, Noah, having been warned of what was yet unseen. Here's that small picture window, if you will, once again, of God saying, I'm going to tell you the end of the matter at the beginning. I'm going to let you see what's coming from the beginning, Noah. Having feared, he prepared an ark to save his house through which He condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to belief or faith. People that didn't want to believe in God, because during the time of Noah, did they have the Torah? Did they have a Bible? No. All they had to do was believe that there really was a God that was a God above all gods that created everything and follow Him and walk with Him. No one wanted to do that except Noah. So this is where you get into... uh, Ezekiel, uh, where it talks about Noah again. It says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, when a land sins against me by acting faithlessly, and I stretch out my hand against it, and break its supply of bread, and send famine upon it, and cut it off, cut off from it man and beast, <clears throat> even if these three men, Noah, Daniel and Job were in it. They would deliver but their own lives by their righteousness, declares the Lord. What he's really saying is their lives even wouldn't even influence anybody else. They could save themselves and that's it. 
The rest of this chapter goes on and talks about these three other ways God says, what if I bring this upon the land? And then this happens, and the sword, and pestilence, and death, and these things. You pick up with verse 22. For thus says the Lord God, how much more when I send upon Jerusalem my four disastrous acts of judgment, sword, famine, wild beast, and pestilence to cut it off, to cut off from it man and beast. But behold, this is cool. This is why I put that in italics for you. You might want to circle it. This word but in your Bible is very important. But behold, some survivors will be left in it. Hallelujah. That's some good news, isn't it? As bad as it could be, we're only Daniel... Noah and Job could barely get out by their own lives. That's, it's going to be that bad, but yet at that time, there's still going to be some survivors, a remnant. Wow. Sons and daughters who will be brought out. Behold, when they come out to you and you see their ways and their deeds, you will be consoled for the disaster that I have brought upon Jerusalem, for all that I have brought upon it. They will console you when you see their ways and their deeds, and you shall know that I have done, uh, I have not done without cause all that I have done in it, declares the Lord God. Folks, he's talking about the last days when he does this and he pours this out, even on Jerusalem, because he's going to cause Jerusalem to become a cup of trembling to the world. And this is why I told you earlier about even um, the Israeli government is paying for abortions just as much as we do. Uh, they are just as messed up as we are. It's a democratic country. It's a democratic Jewish sort of country. And I say sort of, kind of like we're a democratic sort of Christian country. Sort of, right? Uh, Let's go to Galatians, and then we'll close here in just a second. Once again, this is talking about these last days, and it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and it goes on. (coughs) Here's what I wanted you to see, that word sorcery. You know what that word is in the Greek? It's pharmakia. What's it talking about? Drug sorcery. It's literally talking about using drugs to crack open the unseen realm. It's where we get the word pharmacy. That's just an accident, though. That's just a, yeah, they really didn't mean that. Sarcasm again. Folks, um, you need to stop believing everything at face value. You need to get into your Bible. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Now watch this. I did the first one so that you'll see a connection here. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Then watch this. Having an appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. 
Once again, Zach, who put that in my Bible? I mean, because when you read all that, you go, well, these are just evil, mean, and nasty people, right? I mean, then I said, lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, heartless, ungrateful, unholy, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. But then there's that one little statement in the middle of that sentence. Having the appearance of godliness. Can somebody say, uh-oh? Right? I mean, so if they have the appearance of godliness, then who is he really probably talking about here? Hmm. I don't think he's talking about, as my grandmother would say, the heathens. It says they have an appearance of godliness. That's problematic. Um, Folks, you can have an appearance of godliness. Go to church, call yourself a Christian, everything else all you want. You can even be messianic, keeping Torah, wear your seat seats, blow the shofar, everything. But folks, you need to love God more than you love anything. You need to love Him more than you love yourself. And uh, Wow but denying its power. And then it says, avoid such people. 2 Peter 3, 3 says, Know this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Folks, I honestly do believe that we're living in these last days, the days of Noah. Um. They're messing with your DNA. I don't know if you know that or not, but they are intentionally messing with your DNA. Uh, GMOs are so much more dangerous than you can fathom. Um, If you've never researched it, you need to research it. They're literally forcing animal DNA into plant DNA. Fish and other animals into plant DNA to get the plant to do stuff it's not supposed to be doing. But then they're going to tell you it's okay for you to eat it. On and on and on. And these are the same people telling you it's okay to get, in, get involved with all these drugs. Take all these drugs. It's going to help you. And your body doesn't even know what to do with it from pharmacia. And it's the same people that's going to keep doing that to you because they're going to treat you as a cow because all they want to do is get the, get the money out of you. Uh, and then they've also hired the people to oversee the people that are doing it. And then to tell you it's an independent company. The FDA is not independent. Bought and paid for from the get-go. Anyways, I believe we're in those days. It says, the stuff I just read, doesn't even sound like what we're seeing in our own country where free speech no longer exists and it's okay to paint swastikas on synagogues in our country. Um, people are more interested in taking pictures of themselves than reading their Bibles. Um, People are dying taking pictures of themselves. They're literally dying doing it. 
they're even trying to take these weird pictures um, and they're, they're called gram-worthy. Isn't that right? Gram-worthy pictures to get it on Instagram, in other words. And so these dangerous pictures of themselves, and that's going to be gram-worthy. And the next thing you know, they can't figure out, you know, why all these people are dying, falling off cliffs and everything else because they're trying to push the envelope so they can get all these likes so they can become famous and get rich. The list goes on and on and on. And then you got so many people that claim to know God and don't. Then you got so many people that claim to love God and serve God and don't even realize that they've been lied to and they're not even really reading their Bibles. And if they are reading it, they're reading it very superficially only understanding what they want to understand. So we get into a problem, and we have a problem with whatever sin it is. Then we go in our Bible, and we find every verse in there that deals with that sin, and we think that that's how it's going to help us deal with our problem. Not even realize that that's the most dumb thing you could ever do. It's idiotic. It is unproductive, and I'll tell you why. Because let's say your problem is lust, and then you go in your Bible and you study every Bible, every Bible verse in there that deals with lust. What are you thinking about? Lust. There's a very simple way to deal with that problem. You fall in love with your God. You start walking according to His ways, and all the other stuff starts to disappear. It's just that simple. You get engrossed with wanting to love Him and honor Him and everything else starts to melt away because now you're focused on this and you don't have time for that. And now you're focused on the good things and you feel better. And then you go, well, I'm not going to eat that garbage anymore because now I feel better because I'm doing what He said. And lo and behold, things are starting to work. Wow. I'm not falling off the wagon why? I'm not worried about the wagon anymore. It's really that simple. But in our Christianity version, it's like, no, 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 you need to study this. You need to focus on this. Da, da, da. I'm like, no, the, the reason you're telling people that is because you're telling everybody that the law and everything, it doesn't apply. And what you need to do is just follow your own heart. Anybody ever hear that? God lives in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He's going to tell you, follow your heart. Hmm. So it says, Peter telling us, inspired by God, know this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days scoffing, laughing, scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Now let's go back. The people during Noah's day didn't know that what they were doing was so evil that they were about to die for it. It says they were unaware. They were, they were unaware until the flood came. Jesus says during the last days it's going to be the same way and people will be unaware. Except those that are doing what he said. Isn't that what he said? Who is it that's going to be doing what the Father says, feeding his sheep and tending to his flock properly, but the one that says, oh, he's going to be a long time coming. I'll go ahead and beat my fellow servants, and I'll do whatever I want and live with the drunkards and all this other stuff. And then God says, I'm going to cut that one into pieces 
And then I'm going to throw him out with the hypocrites where there's gnashing and weeping. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. What we don't realize in that topic is people that are claiming to know Yeshua. That's what it's describing. Because they're saying, this master. That's why he says there's going to be many that are going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do great and mighty things in your name? Cast out demons. We did all kinds of stuff in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me, those of you who worked lawlessness, because I never knew you. Christians. He says there will be many. That's why he also said, why do you call me Lord, Lord? You don't even do what I say. And then when I tell you to do something, you look at me like, well, but I don't want to do that. I want to do what I want to do. Okay. Well, then go do what you want to do, and you can have the gods that go with it, and I've got a special place for them. Pretty much that's just that simple. Here's the good news in this whole thing. He said, it's going to be like that, but there will be survivors. Isn't that good news? And he warned Noah. He's warning us, and he's saying, be prepared. And when that day happens, I'm, I'm believing in that greater exodus. And that we're going to have, I think, kids that are going to be part of the 144,000. They're going to lead us. And we're going to be amazed at the power of God flowing through them. Uh, God loves you so much. So much. Don't fear. Do not be fearful. Um, I think we need to get a little enraged at the evil that's around us. And we need to make our voices heard and not be silent. Uh, but at the same time, don't think that we're really going to turn it around. Here's what I think. This is my opinion. So if you see my antics on Facebook, um, I do believe that this election, this one, might be the most pivotal in uh, American history, maybe in human history. And the reason I say that is this. We have one chance as believers in this country, to make our voices heard, to repent and get the stench off of us that's been going on in this country. The Antichrist, when he's fighting, when you study the book of Revelation, you find out that he is also distracted and fighting other people that don't want to have it. I want to be in that crowd. Which tells me that it's possible that the ones he's distracted by just might be us that have said, I've had it. I've lived with this garbage my whole life. I've got one chance to have a voice that will actually drain the swamp and watch the swamp rats eat each other on the way out. If so, if that happens, so be it. I'm sorry, but those swamp rats are going nuts right now. And the stuff that's about to come public would probably shock us all. I think Trump knows some things. I think there's some stuff that's happening. I think the FBI knows some stuff. And the stuff that could be coming down could literally shake everything loose. And there's a chance for us to make a stand and make our voices heard for goodness and righteousness. And to get that swamp drained. And to, I'm going to say it, and to get abortion off the books in this country. Abortion is not a legislative law. It is a judicial law 
made by, it only needs five people. Five judges. That's it. Five out of 350 million. And that's why they were so mad about Kavanaugh. That's why this next week you're going to have witches in New York casting spells on Brett Kavanaugh, charging money and taking that money and giving it to Planned Parenthood. Why? Because it's demonic. Why? We just read it. Because it's an attack on the very image of God. And it's about revenue, and it's about controlling the herd from people that don't fear God or believe that He created us in His image. So I think we have an opportunity, maybe. We've got a chance, a window to try to turn it around. If the Christians will actually show up and vote, if they have the courage to show up and vote and get their friends to go vote. Um, if not, we can just keep going down the road we're going down, which is going to happen one way or another. It's going to spin out of control one day anyhow, right? But you don't find the United States in the book of Revelation explicitly. But I think that we're there kind of in a different way. And so um, I think we're there, and in about one month, we're going to find out where our country's headed. Um, I'm, I'm going to ride with my God, amen? That's, that's where I'm going. And I'm not putting all my, ba- all my eggs in the basket of Donald Trump and the Republicans. You, you think I trust the Republicans. You're not reading this right. <laughs> Any trained, bought, bred, and raised politician, I don't trust them. Um, I like Trump because he's not a politician. He can't be bought. And he's not scared of any of them. I like that. And he's not a saint. I didn't hire him to be a saint. I didn't hire him to be a preacher. I hired him to go up there and pull the plug and drain the swamp. I did. And, you know, uh, it, you know it is what it is. So, uh, <clears throat> anyways, I think, we're, I think we're in the days of Noah. I think they're messing with our DNA. I think people are extremely evil. Uh, I think that there's a lot of demonic activity. I think it's becoming... Matter of fact, it's in your face now. It's not even hidden. The devil used to hide. He doesn't even hide anymore. Uh, doesn't even hide on the news. I mean, literally in our face, uh, in our streets, in our face. And um, so you go, well, they know. And Scripture says that he's going to get enraged because he knows his time is short and he's only got one chance, and yet he's still not going to win. I want to be part of that crowd that says that, that says that they know their God and they will do exploits. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, so we're going to walk with our God and he's going to do some pretty powerful stuff.